The Real Rescue Podcast is brought to you by SR3 Rescue Concepts. Because you don't know what you don't know. Is your agency or company looking for helicopter training? Or maybe someone to come audit your program? How about a standardization and safety check? Or maybe just an annual FAA refresher? Look no further because SR3 Rescue Concepts has what you need. They are here to help your program succeed, to keep you up to date with the current techniques, rules, regulations, and equipment. The training staff is top-notch, with certified flight instructor pilots and experienced crewmen that can provide training in rescue, tactical, and firefighting operations, as well as night vision goggle use and more. As part of the Petzl Technical Partner Program, They can also provide personal protective equipment inspection courses and training on the highly specific Lazard made specifically by Petzl for helicopter use for cliff rescue operations. Another great advantage of SR3 Rescue Concepts is they go beyond the helicopter world. They have training programs for high angle mountain rescue and their tactical medicine training program, which is structured around fundamental training for tactical combat casualty care and tactical emergency casualty care. To top it all off, they offer a safety audit program, a third-party review, fact-based and unbiased, to ensure any operation is functioning as safely and efficiently as possible. Contact them today at sr3rescueconcepts.com. Again, that's sr3rescueconcepts.com and over on Instagram at SR3 underscore rescue. That's on Instagram at SR3 underscore rescue. You just make sure when you send them a message, you tell them Quinny sent me here and they will certainly take good care of you. Had a great conversation with my man, Brett Bates, who's coming up next. And the greatest part about it is he took time out of his day. He was on duty with the fire department uh, you know, sat down with me, talked about some of his rescues and what he's been doing. And right after him and I got off the phone, uh, he sends me a text message. And he's like, dude, you're not going to believe what happened to me. Two boats in distress, Coast Guard helicopter overhead, rescued four people out of the water and handed them off to the Coast Guard. And I kid you not, that was literally right after our interview. So Brett, again, well done for everybody else. Enjoy the interview with Mr. Brett Bates, Rescue Swimmer 760. My name is Jason Quinn. I am United States Coast Guard Rescue Swimmer number 500. These are my rescues and rescues from those of us that put our lives on the line every day so others may live. This is The Real Rescue Podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome to the podcast, to The Real Rescue, Mr. Brett Bates, rescue swimmer number 760. What's up, Brett? What's going on, Jason? How you doing? You look good. Thanks. You too. Excited. Uh, Trying to keep up with you, man. You're younger than I am, better looking, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) It's not a a very high bar, but... Oh, damn. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thanks for coming on to the Real Rescue Podcast with me, man. I, I certainly appreciate it. So, uh, Absolutely. For everybody out there, please do me a favor. Kind of tell everybody wh- who you are and, and where you come from and 
kind of a little bit about your career and where you're at now. Yeah, so uh, started uh, originally from California. It's where, where I came from, both north and south. Uh, joined the Coast Guard age 18 back in 2007. Uh, straight up to Sitka, Alaska at the air station there as a non-rate airman program, school in 08. And uh, first unit out of rescue summer school was Sitka, Alaska, uh, followed by Houston, Texas, uh, with a short stint after that of uh, EMT instructor in Petaluma and uh, separated after eight years and now working as a fireman in the Bay Area, Northern California. Uh, That's me in a nutshell. Sweet. I like that. That's good stuff. I was actually thinking about it uh, not too long ago. The last time you and I hung out, I, I couldn't remember. It was either A, like you and your wife met me and my wife when we went out to Mexican, or it was the day I passed my paramedic test because you were there for that. Uh, or was that the same day that you pinned me my second class crows in a bar because I missed my pinning ceremony <laughs> at the training center? You know what? It might have been both. <laughs> that might have been, been the same day you passed. Oh, that's sick. That's right. Dude, that's I got that awesome. picture somewhere. I'll have to send it to you. Oh, definitely. Please do. <laughs> I remember that well. That was over a beer. I love that. Yep. <laughs> Dude, sick. And then uh, to go even further with a little bit of our history, because we met when we were down in, let's see, you were in Houston and I was working down in the Gulf of Mexico in Galveston. Uh, we knew Kurt Revels together. You came on and worked with P1 for a little bit. And, uh, Next thing you know, you and I are wakeboarding together up by your house in between when I'm coming in and leaving duty. I'm like, oh, I got an extra day. I'll stay with you, Brett. Can that I was, stay with that you? That was it. You were, you were staying with me and we were taking the boat out on the water. It was awesome. It was, uh, yeah. Come back, time. smoke Good. a couple of stogies. And next thing you know, I'm, I'm leaving on an airplane. And I think <laughs> the greatest idea about that entire house is actually building the rock climbing wall in the like living room. I know Leanne would have gone the massive, that. massive living room wall that we could have scaled. Yeah. No, I, uh, I don't know how that would have gone for, for the resale value, but whatever, <laughs> you know, at the time, it was awesome. But anyway. Well, I'll tell you what, Brett, uh, something that I want to ask you is one, let's start with this. And how did you get into search and rescue? Like what brought you to search and rescue? Uh, for me, I mean, I, I had the swimming background, so that was kind of a given that I wanted to use that. Um, uh, you know, I, I had explored a lot of options from the age 16 on. Uh, but, but one thing that was really one of the big things that drove me to the Coast Guard is, you know, that was the height of our wars in the U.S., you know, both Afghanistan and Iraq. And it's, it's kind of a hard pill to swallow to want to do something. But no, you might end up at war, right? So right. talking to a few friends, my brother was in the military. He was in the Army at that time. Uh, he drove me towards the Coast Guard. Uh, and, you know, like like my generation of swimmers, it was after the movie came out, right? So we, we got to <laughs> see that part of it. it. Wait, the, the movie we're referring to is, <laughs> we, we, yes, we all, we The all Guardian. The I just, we you know, I got to say, we love that movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so obviously it sparked my interest. Uh, knew what the swimming background would be, something I'd want to want to give a shot at. Um a recruiter laughed me out of the office, you know, like I'm pretty sure most of us got, or they, or they use that as a, as a bargaining chip and said, sure, I'll send you to school, you yeah. know? So, yeah. um, yeah. but it, it was, 
I, I, 18 years old, I knew nothing about it. I knew nothing about being an EMT, never done anything like that before. I wasn't even a lifeguard anywhere before, you know, so, uh, but getting to go to an air station straight out of boot camp was really, you know, I I worked, you know, as a non-rate in the, the shop and did all that stuff. And, we just sat there and watched the helicopters all day, you know, hoping that one day we're going to make it over to the the hangar, you know, yes. so uh, grew to like it, grew to, grew to, uh, you know, seeing what those guys were doing on a daily basis up there. I mean, that was, you know, that was a time when they were doing medevacs on a daily basis out of the islands up there. And, yeah. you know, uh, my first day checking into the unit, I'll, I'll never forget. Uh, it was uh, SAR tones and, you know, put the ready helos on the line. And I was like, I thought it was the ready helo. They always say the ready helo, you know, but it was the ready helos because they had a cruise ship aground uh, up in Alaska. And it was just like, you know, all hands on deck, everybody's there. They're pulling multiple birds out of the hangar and coordinating this massive, you know, what could have been a huge rescue, you know, effort. And it's like, yeah, I think this is what I want to do. Yeah. You know, where do so, I sign up for that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh so, my God. Um, yeah. So, you know, uh, saw all that go down and I was lucky enough to be with quite a few guys who, uh, are currently swimmers or have been swimmers, uh, yeah. as non-rates. And we all trained together, went to the pool every day, worked out every day. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think, I think we used to brag that Sitka was the hardest airman program, but I think everybody said that, but, uh, you know, at, at the time would, it was, I would so. agree with you with that. Cause I thought yeah. the city was pretty tough myself. I mean, uh, yeah, you know, uh, you know, it's all, it's all relative. <laughs> you know, I, you know what, when I was, uh, when I had airmen underneath me, I kicked the shit out of them too, but it, whatever they made it. So there ain't nothing wrong. Yep. With that. Um, gosh, that's awesome. All right. So now you, once you get through a school, uh, you go, you said you went back to Sitka. Yeah. So, uh, I was married to Leanne at the time when I left for a school and she was in, uh, stationed in Sitka. So, it was the easiest option. Uh, you know, we, we waited on that infamous day of picks. Yeah. And uh, at that time, that was my my uh, first class. I got rephased uh, past my second go around, uh, got rephased at the 16 week mark. So mm. basically did it twice, which was fun. Um, but, you know, so so picks come out and they just said, hey, you're going back to Sitka. So, well, let's let's uh, back up to that story. What, what happened yeah. there? Nah, you know what? Uh, okay, we won't talk about that. That's okay. <laughs> no, we, we, can talk, we can talk about it. It's all right. Uh, uh, final multi. Final multi got me. So, um, oh. yeah. Fate, washed out in the final multi and uh, went to my board that weekend. And Monday morning, I, I had the black letters back on my shirt and was starting again with the baby class. So, oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. I got a, I got a weekend break. <laughs> Dude, I... I feel for you. Although I will tell you, you went in there stronger than anybody else in the baby class. So I don't know if that's a bonus or the fact that you have to go through that entire thing again. Yeah. Lord knows yeah I was, was not uh, doing that twice. I did it once well, and yeah. I was like, yeah. <laughs> it was better than the other option, right? Oh, absolutely. So. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Now that you think about it and you say it like that, there was no doubt. I was, I was not going, not, not going to make it through, even if I had to go through again, but wow. Totally. Man. Yeah. Damn, through swimmer school twice. Well, good for you, my friend. Well done. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, right. I did about uh, two years back in Alaska before I transferred out. So. So then your first case would have been in Alaska. Yep. And what was that? 
First case was, well, so there, there's the heartache of the first case that I should have had, but I got bumped <laughs> off the duty roster. And uh, I remember Sean, Sean Legas got, I think it was Sean, got three back-to-back cases in one day, which is, you know, I mean, that's kind of unheard of, right? And that was supposed to be my first duty night, but instead I came in the next day and uh, got a pretty decent medevac. <laughs> so... Uh, All right, we're which, gonna we're gonna hold off right there because I want you to know that Sean Legos is in my class, so I love Sean Legos. <laughs> All, right. All right, we'll give it to him. Okay, I appreciate that. We'll one. give it. To him. We'll give it to him. But, <laughs> yeah, so oh, uh, um, a medevac out of one of the the uh, villages, you know, not a lot up there, no runway, uh, minimal uh, emergency response for the village, and it was a guy that had fallen off a roof. Uh, the roofing material had fallen onto him, crushed his pelvis, severe internal bleeding. Oh. And uh, I mean, that was one of my first patient contacts as an EMT intermediate up there. So Holy uh, myself, cow. myself and a corpsman and uh, medevaced him out to Juno and straight on to uh, the Guardian life flight to go to Seattle. So he was wow. that, that critical. So. so let's let's get into this one then, because all right, so did you guys land or end up hoisting? Uh, land. So we landed okay. on, I want to say like a ferry terminal pier. Uh, oh, no way. And uh, yeah. And, and then from, from there, you know, up there, it was, you were lucky if you had, you know, some 1980s ambulance that would take you to the scene or take you to the <laughs> clinic or whatever, you know, most of the time it was a snowmobile or some right? pickup truck or something <laughs> like that. So I, th- I think we got an ambulance on that one, but uh, man, yeah, I, and I can relate to that because one of my cases I, I landed on, we ended up taking a four wheeler to the guy. I was like, oh, well, okay. Yep. Dude, yep. That's in the awesome. snow. Yeah. <laughs> so now, how far away was the patient from where you guys had landed? Uh, it was probably a 15, 20 minute drive. Oh, wow. Uh, you know, so a, a yeah, he was in like a, a small clinic on the island somewhere. Okay. So. So somebody had already uh, but, been taken but, care of. You guys didn't show up on scene and him still being crushed and all that stuff. Yeah, no. So he was, okay. yeah, you know, moderately taken care of by right. their EMS there. And one of the things that, that really was just crazy was walking into the clinic. You know, it's my first time seeing a real critical patient, you know, one of my first patient contacts, you know, by myself. <laughs> and you, you walk into this room, you know, with with that presence of, the rescue swimmer, the coast guard, they all know you up there and all that stuff. And I remember the room got silent and everybody looked at me and I was thinking, well, what do you want me to do? You know, like, I, I don't know. I don't know any better than you guys, you know, I'm here to take them away. That's all. Oh my God. I love it. Yeah. You're well yeah. done. Well done. Yep. <laughs> all right. Well, now I want to get into a couple other ones. So the first one, oh, nope. the first one I want to get into is uh, which which I absolutely love. So by the way, I, I did Google your name for quite a bit because I know you have some good <laughs> ones out there. So we're going to talk about two specifically. Uh, the first one is the father and son. And that was yeah. in 2011, according to this yeah. article. And then we're going to talk about your one in 2014, which I believe the case was in 2014 as well. Is that right? Uh, yes, I think so. All right, so let's start with this one because, like I said, you know, you Google Brett Bates Rescue Swimmer and a whole bunch of stuff pops up on you because you're a badass <laughs> and I love it. So let me read this one and then uh, and then we're going to get into it, all right? All right. So this was, uh, let's see, Coast Guard News. 
Coast Guard rescues father, son from Galveston, Texas on Father's Day. Houston, Texas. The Coast Guard rescued a father and a son and after their boat capsized off the Galveston Bay coast. Approximately 10 a.m., an MH-65 Dolphin, which is the helicopter, the 65, uh, and the crew of the Coast Guard Air Station Houston was on a routine patrol when they spotted an overturned 18-foot pleasure craft about a mile north of Eagle Point in Galveston Bay. The Dolphin helicopter crew conducted a search of the area and located a cooler and a gas tank floating in the vicinity of the old overturned boat. Following the small debris field, the Dolphin crew spotted one person in the water, Robert Rasmussen. I'm going to go with that. Robert right. Rasmussen, <laughs> age 34, from Houston, was safely hoisted into the cabin of the Dolphin helicopter. He was notified that uh, he notified the Coast Guard that his father was still in the water. The Dolphin crew continued to search and located the Good Samaritan, who had also arrived on scene and picked up the father, Richard Rasmussen, age 59, from San Leon. The Dolphin crew then hoisted the father into the helicopter and transported both the father and the son to Air Station Houston, where EMS crews were waiting to evaluate the men. We were in the right place at the right time, said Petty Officer Third Class Brett Bates at Air Station Houston, rescue swimmer. When we hoisted the father and son, they both had their life jackets on. They notified us that they had been in the water for over two hours. Having those life jackets on saved their lives, he said. <laughs> Well, hot dog, man. Good for you. <laughs> so give me a rundown of this case. So you guys uh, are on a regular patrol, like a training training flight or patrol? So it, I want to say, uh, you know, it was just a routine patrol. And I think it was a weekend. Uh, I guess Father's Day would be, right? So it, oh, yep, it was, yep. Uh, yep. So routine patrol on, on Father's Day. And uh, we get airborne. We're, you know, minutes off the base, really, you know, once we're over the water there and uh, just in the bay and uh, we start having trouble with the avionics in the, in the helo. So uh, flight mechanic pilots, they've got the whole avionics panel off, you know, next to our seat back there in the 65 and they're troubleshooting this avionics thing. While you're so, flying. Uh, while we're flying, you know, they're, they're, they're troubleshooting the whole thing. Right. So and, nobody's uh, really paying attention to anything on the no, outside. Nobody's of the really paying attention. You know, it's, it's flying itself. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, I, what I, what I said I would do coming from the 60 background, you know, I said, Hey, why don't I take radio comms? I'll sit in your seat and I'll run the radios while you guys troubleshoot this. So I, I'm so sitting in the flight quick, next seat. Real quick for all of, uh, intensive purposes and, and learning in this, as a Coast Guard rescue swimmer in the H-60 in the Blackhawk, we sit in the back left-hand seat and we run the radios as swimmers, uh, talking to communication towers, giving updates and position. In the 65, that's the flight mech's job. And he's sitting in the, really the swivel seat that's up by the radios by the pilot. And then the swimmer is in the back on the floor on this little like one and a half foot by one and a half foot mat. But so Brett coming from the sixties, I get that, you know, me coming from the sixties out of Alaska, we run radios all the time, jump into 65. I was like, yeah, I'll run radios. Okay. Got it. Thank you, yeah. sir. Yes. So no big, no big deal. I take a seat. I take over comms and uh, I'm just, I'm just the, the, literally the one head looking out the windows, you know, scanning, just looking around, uh, trying to back everybody up while we're troubleshooting this thing. And, uh, 
I see a, a essentially just a little John boat and it's capsized and there's some debris around it. So it doesn't look like a derelict boat. It doesn't look like it, you know, broke yeah. free from somewhere. Right. Uh, immediately I just gave the mark, 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 you know, they push the button and what you got, you know, and I told them, I said, hey, there's a boat back there. I think we should take a look at it. So we kind of tie up some loose ends. We come around. Uh, sure enough, you know, we see exactly what I saw, John boat, fuel cans, cooler, all that kind of stuff, just some debris floating in the water and, uh, radioed into to sector. They've got no reports of anything. And, uh, we're like, all right, well, you know, we'll take a look around. We just started doing an expanding search from there. And, uh, fairly quickly we, uh, located, it was actually the father we located first, uh, just free floating in the water with a life jacket on. Okay. And uh, we were still still going through all the loons tied up at that point. So I made one final radio to uh, sector. You know, we got a person in the water, you know, this location, blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, getting changed out, getting my fins, getting all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, Swap boy. with the flight mech. Yeah. Go to Swap the water. with the flight mech. And, uh, and you know, we start, we start getting through the hoist briefs and, and whatnot. Um, and the, the funny thing that I remember from that was after radioing it into sector, uh, they came back with a Roger that you have permission to hoist the survivor. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, okay. Thanks for the permission sector. You know, but uh, yeah, that decision was, just, was, was already of, checked off. Yeah. That, I was probably halfway out the door by the time they said that, but uh, <laughs> thank you. Sector. So, so get down, uh, you know, uh, only probably my second time being deployed to the water on an actual case. Uh, nice. This one was, you know, so, which is, you know, a pretty big day for all of us. Right. Yeah. You, you remember yeah. those first few going down to the water. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, talk to the dad, you know, who, who are you with? You know, me and my son, we got separated and I'm like, how long have you been in the water? And he said the last time he looked at his watch or his phone, that was in a Ziploc bag that was soaked with water and the phone was no longer working, yeah. uh, was about seven 30 in the morning. So two, two to three hours they'd been in the water. Wow. And, uh, and he, he said, uh, you know, we thought we could swim to shore. We thought we could swim to shore, you know? And, and we're like, I'm like, man, you were, you're way closer to your boat than you are to shore, you know, and you've been going <laughs> for two and a half hours. So Holy cow. Uh, he was pretty tired. Uh, basket hoisted him up. And then uh, the civilian boat came up that had the son on board. He was in his mid thirties. And uh, I swam over there, went and talked to them and come to find out the son was a diabetic. And oh. uh, he was, yeah, he was starting to get into the diabetic emergency. Uh, you know, he was feeling weak, uh, kind of disoriented, not making sense. Um, and uh, so I opted, you know, take him in the water with me, hoist him. I can at least get some glucose on board for him. Uh, and we can go from there and get these guys some medical treatment, um, which come to find out was a little bit of an issue, an issue for the pilots. Uh, I hadn't really figured out the whole 65 thing yet with the uh, weight issues and all that. And uh, I guess it caused a little bit of stress up in the bird when I jumped in the water and signaled for the basket. And they were like, uh, I don't know if we got, you know, I don't know if we got the weight for this, but wow. we, we made it work. So <laughs> Uh, yeah, the 65 yeah. does not have the power that the uh, the 60 has. And, and when you come from the 60 world into the 65 world, it's like, oh, 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 yeah, we're dumping fuel to make sure we have enough power to pull people up. It's it's a very it's a different uh, mindset reality. 
So, yeah. Anyway, so, sorry. Keep I mean, going. Yeah. No, that's, that's all it was. Uh, <clears throat> got them both hoisted, got some vital signs on the sun, gave him a tuba, the oral glucose, you know, and uh, he perked right up. So nice. all good. Got to use a little bit of swimmer skills, a little bit of the EMT skills. Uh, checked him out when we got back to base. They refused treatment, found, uh, found a ride home and and that was the end of it, but kind of the, the happy story, you know, father and son, father's day, right place at the right time. They would wow. never have been able to call it in or anything like that. So, uh, Dang, yeah, that was, that was dude. one of those ones that worked out great. So <laughs> well done, sir, man, that's awesome. I love it. Yeah. I love it. All, All right, right, dude. So now uh, I want to go into the second one. The, or not your second one, but the second one that I looked up, and this is the one that popped on. So you and I share a similar award, uh, which I'm, I'm psyched that, that I share this with you because it, you won, uh, sorry, you earned Coast Guardsman of the Year for the, by the USO, or I should say USO Coast Guardsman of the Year uh, for 2014 for one of your rescues. And that, that's pretty awesome. That's a, that's a big award. So well done. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, so as I was Googling you, uh, this is what popped up. So it was coastguard.dodlive.mil. And I'm going to read this one. And then I, I want to get into it even more, just like we did with the last one. All right. All right. All right. So Coast Guard, comp uh, let's see, Coast Guard Compass. All right. Honor, respect, devotion, and duty. AST3 Brett Bates. And this is dated October 31st, 2014. So others may live. It's the creed of the United States Coast Guard rescue swimmer and the promise that the Coast Guard makes to those in danger. It's also the motto that Petty Officer Third Class Brett Bates lives by. Ooh, that's, that's good. That's good. I like that. I'm just saying. <laughs> Bates, had, Bates, a competitive swimmer most of his life, joined the Coast Guard in 2007, looking for a way to put his skills into use and help others. By becoming an aviation survival technician, for those of you that don't know, that is our rating. That's what we call a rescue swimmer, but the rating actual name is aviation survival technician or AST. He was able to do just that. After graduating basic training, Bates reported to Sitka, Alaska, where he was given the opportunity to train alongside the Coast Guard aviation crew and work towards his dream. He went on to graduate from Aviation Survival Technician A School and served two years at Air Station Sitka before reporting to, reporting to Air Station Houston. It was at Air Station Houston that Bates, that Bates experienced one of the most memorable rescues. One morning before the crew awoke to begin their day, a search and rescue alarm sounded throughout the base. As Bates prepared the launch alongside the rest of his air crew, which consisted of Commander Eric Gleason, Lieutenant Brian Seekers, is that right? Seekats. Uh, oh, Seekats. So Lieutenant Brian Seekats and Petty Officer Tyson St. John. He began learning the details of the case that he was preparing for. The Coast Guard HU-25 Falcon, which uh, is an aircraft, it's a fixed-wing aircraft, a little jet that they launch out of, um, they, they launch that right out of, Corpus Christi. Thank you. Yeah. So they launched that out of Cor Corpus Christi to fly out to location because it'll get there faster than the 65. They do a recon, maybe drop rafts or whatnot. So anyway, the Coast Guard HU-25 Falcon had located an emergency position radio beacon and some debris in the water more than 100 miles offshore. 
The Falcon also located a life raft with at least one man on board, but was unable to ascertain if there was any more people in the water or the raft. The air crew from Air Station Houston launched the MH-65D Dolphin helicopter at approximately 6 a.m. and was on scene approximately 45 minutes later. We arrived on scene and found the life raft almost immediately, Bates said. And although his training had prepared him for almost anything, Bates faced a challenging rescue. Gleason, the pilot that morning and the commanding officer at Air Station Houston, estimated the seas to be 10 to 12 feet and the wind gust up to 40 knots. He said the weather they had experienced that morning was significant for what they normally experienced in the Gulf of Mexico. Bates was deployed into the water and was able to fight through the challenging weather condition to reach the raft. When I reached the raft, there was only one guy there, he said. I questioned him about what happened, how he was doing, and how long he had been there. The man told Bates that around 3 a.m. that morning, their boat had taken a rogue wave, broken apart, and sank within minutes. The man also told Bates that the original crew of the boat consisted of four men. He was the only guy that was able to make it into the raft, Bates said. Another important aspect of Bates' training allowed him to quickly assess the man's medical condition and determining his, determine his condition. He was mildly hypothermic and had been in the water for about four hours. The man also didn't have any protection against the elements. He was wearing minimal clothing and no life jacket. Although their dialogue, Bates continually was swept away by the wind and waves. But even with the weather conditions, Bates made a decision. Take the man in the water with him and get him to the helicopter to be hoisted aboard. Once Bates and the man were back in the helicopter, Bates was told the another crucial decision. The helicopter was extremely low on fuel. Gleason asked Bates to make a determination if the man needed immediate medical attention or if time allowed for the helicopter to refuel and continue the searching for other possible survivors. Bates decided the man did not need further immediate medical attention and that he would be much better once he was put in a warmer environment. The crew took the man to the nearest oil rig and after refueling, left the man with the oil rig personnel with strict instructions to contact them if his condition changed. The crew continued searching for six hours for additional crew members of the sunken vessel, but found no signs of any other survivors. After completing the search, the crew picked up the man from the rig and returned to the air station. As a result of Bates' extraordinary efforts during the rescue, he was recently selected as the 2014 USO Coast Guardsman of the Year and was honored within a ceremony with members of other armed services in Washington, D.C., Brett, dude, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. So first question. It was a fun one. It was, it was memorable. I have no doubt. (laughs) (laughs) So what, uh, now you got an award from that or, and and I say got an award, you earned an award that the Coast Guard presented to you. What was that? Uh, it was an achievement medal fantastic so yeah i was given an achievement medal for that one man that's awesome good that's fantastic yeah so i mean yeah the play by play dude that's crazy uh so so standard uh you know eper uh on a uh stormy night slash morning uh cold front move through just nasty winds all night at the base uh 
prior night's training flight was canceled. Um, and, uh, we'd actually had to take a flight mechanic off a night shift that night, uh, to stand the, the ready. So, uh, kind of a mix of players there. Uh, you're flying with the CO. So that's always kind of interesting. Uh, yeah. He so was the actually, CO is the commanding officer of the air station. So he's the guy in charge of everybody. <laughs> the he's the guy in charge. Even, uh, <laughs> yeah, the fact that he's even coming in yeah. for duty is like hats off to him. Good, good for him. That's a good leader. Yeah. Yeah. Highly respectable, you know, that, that he's actually standing duty as the commanding officer. Um, he was in the left seat that day, co-pilot seat. And, uh, uh, Lieutenant Seacats was in the, the pilot seat, um, although Gleason was the aircraft commander. Uh, and, you know, so, so the, the EPIRB call, right, is, is kind of the, uh, the nothing, right? Yeah. The, oh, I don't even want to get out of bed for this, right? Like, <laughs> like come uh, on, you know. Freaking search through the damn bay or blah, blah, blah. Another yep. one of those. Yep. We're good. Yeah. And, and this one happened to be over 150 miles offshore. Oh. Um, but, you know, so after getting airborne, uh, come to find out the Falcon had actually located a life raft. Uh, they were launched way before us, just given the weather conditions and the distance offshore. Yep. Uh, with the 65 out in the Gulf, uh, you're bouncing from oil rig to oil rig, refueling, uh, especially at that distance. Uh, so it's, it's a, a lot harder of a thing to do so they sent the falcon up ahead it did a raft with a survivor and that's when we got launched uh we had man at that time of the morning we had just some hellacious tailwinds and uh made it out there pretty quick we, oh, we were nice. seeing, I mean, with, the, with the tailwind the whole way you know so uh, smooth right out there we were we were we were moving fast uh that's always a good thing when got, you're on your way there it's terrible when you're coming back <laughs> yes, it is. Especially after you've been searching for six hours. <laughs> yeah. Holy cow. So, hey, well, so it said that you guys, it was about 45 minute flight out there. Yeah. Man, yeah. It, it, yeah. I mean, it, it, it was, it was a long way, um, you know, and I, less than an hour probably that we were out there plenty of fuel. Cause we had that tailwind the whole way yep. and uh, immediately, you know, debris field life raft, somebody in the life raft, I'm going in the water, you know, there was just no question about it. Right. So, yeah. uh, the, uh, pilot was a little junior I'll say, um, and, uh, going through his checklist, trying to do everything by the book. Nice. And, uh, I, I remember, I remember the CEO saying, put this thing in the hover, put the swimmer in the water, you know, nice. and, and that's, nice. how, that's, that's how it happened. You know, the, it, it was, it was, I mean, the, the flight mech Tyson was a great guy. I'd had a lot of cases with him. He was ready in the back, had everything set up and he was ready to go. Uh, so we, we just came around, came right into a hover. Uh, it was a hoist to the water cause it was still early morning or nighttime, I believe at that time. Uh, so you're coming into sunrise. It was dry. Which... Yeah. Sunrise. So yep. still dry suit weather. I was in a dry suit at the time and, uh, made my way over to the raft and uh it was i mean we've all been to advanced school where you swim in the big waves and things like that but when you put some distance between you and the raft you know you're working right yeah. so oh yeah uh got to the raft one guy in there you know I, I talked to him we knew there was a report of i believe it was like five pob on the boat um you know so him and four others i believe so pob and uh, persons on board. honestly 
Yeah. So, Sorry. so he was, the, he was distraught, right? He was, you know, he was the only guy in the life raft. He was the only guy that had made it uh, out of uh, the boat or, or into the raft. Right. So yeah. uh, the report was they were tied off to an oil rig. They were sleeping through the night and they took a rogue wave. And I mean, I believe this was like a 40 foot boat. It was a, a, wow. a snapper boat. So they were out trolling for snapper and, uh, and it just, he said the boat was gone in, in, you know, 90 seconds or less, they were in the water, broke apart, life raft popped up, no life jackets, no time to prepare. It was just gone. Oh um, my God. So, yeah. So it was, you know, they went through quite a bit. Uh, he said he got in the raft, he could hear the other guys. They were, you know, very far apart. Um, you know, the, the buoy readings for that morning, uh, you know, they, they were having, 20 foot, 20 foot plus, you know, routinely, uh, as that cold front moved through out oh there, it probably died down a little by yeah. our time. Uh, and then it was, you know, it, so, so 15 foot plus rollers rolling through, uh, with Ooh. at least five to eight, uh, you know, crashing on top of that with the wind and everything like that. So, uh, it took a little bit of effort and, uh, just talking to the guy, you know, occasionally I'd let go of the raft, make a radio call, um, you know, whatever, and, uh, find myself separated from the raft again, you know? So Holy it was, cow. it was a constant back and forth, a swimming back and forth. And, and, uh, finally, you know, he, he was hypothermic. He was in his underwear, you know, that, yeah, that's what yeah. he was sleeping in and that's what he made it out with. Uh, so uh, I told him, you know, it's going to suck, but I got to bring you in the water with me. Wow. So, uh, brought him in the water uh, and, and then it was, you know, some of that stuff you learned in all the trainings and things like that of, of watching the seas, which way you're swimming and, and, you know, so on and so forth. Right. Uh, so, so hoisted him, uh, basket hoist into the helicopter, uh, went back, popped the life raft. And that was the only one time in my career I can remember popping the raft, watching it sink, waiting on the helicopter to come pick me up. And just that helpless feeling of it's just you 150 <laughs> miles out there in the water. And if, if for some reason they don't make this hoist, my night's going to suck. Oh my <laughs> so, God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember, I remember that as I watched the raft sink and I waited to be picked up that it was like that, that feeling finally of I'm out here by myself, you know, yeah. so kind of oh, yeah. weird, uh, <laughs> get, get hoisted up. All's good. Um, <laughs> oh my God. But, you know, 65 we're, uh, we're critical on fuel all the time. You now we, we don't have a lot left. We need to find an oil rig guy back or we need to decide what we're doing. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Hey, you're, you're worried about fuel the minute you take off in those silly things. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> that was the decision is, is, uh, Hey, babe, tell us what, what are we doing? Are we going back? It's kind of a balance of, well, this will be the only viable period for these guys. You know, yeah. it's cold. They've been in the water for three to four hours. Uh, if right. they have some sort of flotation, they got on some debris, they got life jackets. If we go home and take this guy back, nobody else is coming back out here for two plus hours you know by the time yeah. gets a bird new orleans gets a bird we uh so that part of my decision making of how high and did all assessment on him talked to him uh and said let's take him to a rig i, I feel comfortable leaving him there yeah. so 
we, oh, yeah, uh, we did that. Too. We landed for fuel. Yeah. I, you know, wanted to give everybody else the best shot, you know, if we could. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, well, dropped right. them off, gave, Go yeah. It, I mean, it, it, it was, <laughs> it was, it was a terrible position to be put in yeah. after just coming out of the water <laughs> and getting your ass handed to you in some waves. Yeah. Trying to do an assessment on this guy, you know, cause that's part of our job too, is we're the only medical, you right. know, only medical, uh, person out there you know your flight mech your your pilots nobody else is helping with that part they, they feel like their job is done when the hoist is over and right. our job's totally just starting right <laughs> so yeah so <laughs> we were able to drop them off uh you know just let them know like hey if this guy goes downhill you know if he gets confused if he doesn't warm up um if you have any concerns you will come back and pick him up you know yeah. so um, we dropped them off. They warmed them up. We did our search, a uh, couple bags of gas. By that time they were getting more crews out there to start helping with the search. Oh, nice. Okay. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I know we, we sent one more and I think Corpus Christi, Corpus Christi ended up sending another bird. So it was actually a pretty large search, uh, given that one guy had made it and there was supposed to be four more, Yeah. you know, wow. uh, but, uh, it, we did our, we did our, uh, too tough, you know, when, when we picked that guy back up and I had to tell him, no, we haven't found anybody, you know, no, oh, that's tough. You know, man. your friends, the guys you were on the boat with, nobody's seen them, you know, and just, oh. yeah, for that guy, you know, I mean, just, you know, uh, you know, now, now we're going into a headwind and you got an hour and a half bumpy flight back and, you know, yeah. dealing, dealing with this. And it was a pretty somber flight back. I remember um dang man yeah. of course you land and by that time that the camera crews are there and everybody right. wants to talk to him and talk to you and yeah uh, yep. you know just just trying to do what was best for that guy was was really the big the big thing um but yeah i mean probably you know the first time that you know you you put everything the big package you put it all together you know right the, the right. skills the advanced school all those things and uh and, you know, get to see some big waves, get to do the job that you signed up for that you trained for, you know? Right. So, yeah, uh, it was good, <laughs> you know, for, for me, it was good. Unfortunately, you know, I, I got, I got to do that, but, uh, wow. Dude, yeah, so great story. Great positive story. and negative outcomes there. You know, they never found anybody. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. It's part of our job though. You know, we, we it was a good one, but you, you try to do everything you can to, to save everybody you can. And, some you know it just doesn't happen so yeah and and at least you know we we know that we didn't leave any unknown table you know we gave them the best shot we continued searching for the survivor was was a positive one as far as he survived uh wasn't super critical or anything like that and and uh you know we did our job so yeah well good job at that i mean that's awesome um now you mentioned you were in a dry suit Thank so you the fact you're in a dry suit, you know, the water is pretty cold and those guys are in shorts and t-shirts. Yep. I mean, hypothermia is setting in very yeah. quickly. Um, and, and as soon as you get hypothermic, I mean, you and I both know you're in cold water and all of a sudden your extremities don't work anymore. So there's no treading water for 30, 40 minutes in cold water. You can, you know, no. I mean, it's, no. it's a, it's a, it's a hard thing. Yeah, to I mean, I mean understand. He, he was the, yeah, he, he was the classic, you know, balled up, you know, 
that kind of the person you're towing through the water where he's just got his weight centered right over you because he's he's so cold you know he's got the arms together the legs up and and all that weight's just right on you trying to tow him through the water so uh you know not not the uh nice floating survivor with a life jacket and some control of him and and uh you know wow damn man that is awesome that is awesome you still there jason i think i lost you yeah you did for you did for a second that's okay dude that's awesome well done well done for sure yeah that's that's, yeah heck yeah wow yeah houston houston uh houston was sar town for me man we uh we got a lot of calls in houston so uh anything else that stands out to you Uh, i i mean i just had like quite a few deployments to the water you know starting from when i checked in uh i had uh, a family get swept off a beach, you know, and that was within days of checking in deployed to the water, you know, uh, the father and son, it was, it was for a while, it was just nonstop. And then you mixed it in medevacs. I did medevacs north of the city where we were hoisting through the trees and, and things like that. So, wow, you know, got, got to do a lot of different things. Uh, I believe you and I were on the oil rig fire together. Weren't you on that with priority for the one deep water horizon? No, the one after that. Yes. Were you on that one? I was. Yes. Where, yeah. So we, yeah, we were first on scene. Yep. And it was like 13 people in the water. Um, they ended up getting picked up by a boat. I did some triage on the oil rig. We took three and then you guys and your AW139 came <laughs> in and took like the next 10. <laughs> but I was working with yes, Jason did. Quinn and the legendary Bob Watson were on that <laughs> helicopter. So... That is correct. That is correct. Gosh, yeah, was, I, I almost forgot about early, that. One. Early on for you guys, I remember. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, right when we get started down there in the Gulf of Mexico. It was with Era Helicopters and Priority One Air Rescue, and we merged. I, was together. that even before you got? It might have been before you guys were even hoisting. Yeah, we well, we were hoisting, but we were not in Galveston yet. So we actually flew out of Louisiana yeah. to get there, and yep. we flew out on scene. Um, you guys had come in and and done your assessment and whatnot, and I remember. You know, coming over the radio, like, yeah, we no, we don't need anybody else. We got other 65s coming. And then our pilot comes out. I was like, yeah, we could take like 12 people. And they're like, uh, era, uh, standby. Yeah, we need you to come in and pick these guys up. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. And then, and then we had to ask you guys to slow down on the way back into the hospital because we were so critical on fuel that we needed to land first. That, that helicopter was amazing. Dude, that is so funny. I totally forgot about that. That's awesome. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> oh, how, see, this is what I'm talking about. Like our worlds just collide all the time. It's beautiful. It <laughs> oh yeah, God. That's good stuff. Dang. Well, I'll tell you what, Brett, I don't want to take too much more of your time. So question, well, my last question will be, uh, is there anything that you would tell anybody out there now, uh, advice or anything like that the floor is yours so speak freely man i you just got to go for it right like don't be don't don't hesitate you know if that's what you want to do work towards it work hard i've seen guys from my swimming background come in and struggle in school you know as i did and uh you know guys that have never even swam or seen the ocean before come in and crush it you know what i mean so yeah uh, big, big mindset getting through it. Um, you know, but, but the, uh, the reward is definitely there when you come out on the other end. So, 
any of those guys that are aspiring to do it, uh, you know, go for it. Got it out. <laughs> That's what you got to do. Awesome. Get it done. Cool. So. And what about the fire department? Any, any advice on the fire department? Any, have you actually had any rescues with the fire department? Uh, yes, I've actually, uh, I mean, uh, a couple things, you know, and, and, you know, thinking here where I am now, uh, coming out of what I did before, you know, um, I've been humbled a few times in this job, you know, Oh, come uh, on. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, three, four years ago, I, uh, pulled a guy out of a car or attempted to pull a guy out of a car that had been involved in a single accident fully involved patient still conscious and alert inside the vehicle. Holy cow. And, uh, I went in while the car was still on fire to pull him out uh, while somebody else was working on extinguishing it. And, uh, unfortunately he was pinned. So, so, you know, I, I uh, tried to pull, couldn't get him out until we got the fire out and were able to do a full extrication on the car. I mean, that's how stuck he was and, and just Holy severe God. burns, fractures, you know, the whole nine and conscious the whole time. And I remember walking away from that one going, that was just as gnarly as any SAR case I've ever had, you know? Holy and, and that cow. Was, yeah. So, so things like that. Um, Did you, you know, save that guy? Uh, did he live? Yeah, he lived. Yes. No yep, shit. He lived. So freaking well, um, dude, you're born for this job. <laughs> Holy yeah. cow. But it is this job, just like, uh, just like the coast guard, it's got a way of humbling you, you know? Yeah. So agreed. Um, you'll find yourself in a peculiar situation. You know, you do, you do training all day long. You run what we'd call routine calls. And then one day shit hits the fan. And yeah. <laughs> I totally agreed. Yeah. Yeah. A lot, you know, lot it, more, a uh, lot more people backing you up here though, you know? Oh yeah. So. Cause you got a full crew going out. That's I, well, how many yeah. guys are on the truck with you? Uh, so this station I'm at is five guys. We run two different rigs out of here. Um, and, uh, but I mean, you know, your, your next cruise five minutes away, three minutes away, you know? So oh, when we get something yeah. big, we're, we're stacked on top of each other. Um, plenty of paramedics to go around. Uh, I did find myself the other night, uh, working on multiple burn patients after a, a structure fire, uh, for a few minutes by myself. So, wow. <laughs> yeah. So that was, uh, that was another one, you know, here you are, have at it. Holy cow. <laughs> you know, I, I'm going to touch on something real quick And you, the, what you just said there is, is we get humbled quite often. Um, I, I can't agree with you more. And, you know, that's another reason why I'm doing this podcast is because most of us are very humble. Uh, I, I don't gloat about a bunch of my cases. As a matter of fact, it took me five years to talk to my wife about what I did in the Coast Guard. Um, and that's mm -hmm. not an exaggeration. It was five years. She didn't know anything. And, you know, when I was texting you and I've texted some of the other guys, I'm like, hey, can you send me some of your award stuff and this? That? And, and most of the comments that I get back are like, dude, they're in a box somewhere. And that's it, me, too. They're sitting in a box in the garage or in the attic and we just, because it's what we do. And I, I love that about what we do because we are humble about it. We're not trying to get a big pat on the back. We're, we're proud of what we do and we're ready to go back and do it tomorrow when it's needed. Yeah. And it's awesome. So, well, and, and, you know, you know, too, I mean, was my case in Houston, the biggest case in the coast guard that year? Absolutely not. You know, it, it came from a, a good write up from, you know, some senior officers and things like that and worked its way up. But, 
you know, we know that about each other. I know, there was somebody else who probably had an absolutely horrible case, you know, with bigger C's and more patients and, and whatever. And, uh, you know, uh, unfortunately or fortunately, whatever you want to say, you know, yeah. I just got to be the face on that one, you know, uh, yeah. for us, you know, great experience, but, uh, hey, you don't know, cut yourself guys, short though. You earned that. That's a good but, case. But the guy, you know, we, we know the guys are out there doing it every day, yep. you know, every day they're out there doing it, uh, with little to no recognition. Um, right. you know, most of the people I talk to here don't realize how much the coast guard does on a daily basis, right. you know, and we work totally. with the coast guard routinely. So, yeah. which I saw uh, that in another write up, by the way, in another link <laughs> that has your name on it. <laughs> uh, uh, yep. <laughs> That's awesome. Dang, Brett. Well, dude, I will not keep any more of your time. I cannot thank you enough for coming on and sharing these stories with us. It's awesome. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you're a badass, yeah. dude. I can't wait to get <laughs> together with you again and, and just hang out, dude. Maybe we'll get on the boat. Sounds good. Sweet. Come on. Awesome. <laughs> All right. And ladies and gentlemen, that with that, we are out of here. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Real Rescue Podcast. Please take a minute and as my daughters like to tell me all the time, like and subscribe. Oh yeah, I appreciate it. So I'm pulling chocks and taking off. But before I go, if anyone out there has a rescue story and would be willing to share it, I would be humbled and honored to have you as a guest. Or if you have any questions about rescue or anything else here that we talk about, please send me an email at therealrescue at gmail.com. That's T-H-E-R-E-A-L-R-E-S-Q at gmail.com. Or you can also check us out on our Instagram page at therealrescue, and that's at T-H-E-R-E-A-L-R-E-S-Q. And for all of you standing the watch today, remember, when that SAR alarm goes off, those in distress are praying for a miracle. They are going to get you. Until next time, stay safe out there, everybody.